It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. You're listening to the Go Birds Podcast. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. Time to go behind enemy lines. Colts, Eagles this Sunday. We do welcome in the host of the Go Birds Podcast. That is Elliot Shore Parks. Elliot, thanks for uh, coming behind many lines, man. Really do appreciate the time. Thanks for having me on. Excited to talk about this suddenly interesting game. It feels like a few weeks ago this would have just been a complete blowout, but now it's uh, it could be close. So I'm excited to talk to you guys about it. Absolutely. And you look at the 1 o'clock slate to Eastern. It's like, they're, they're, this is, honestly, you can make the argument of one of the marquee games for sure. The intrigue and now, you know, um, the yeah, the intrigue on both sides. Speaking of which, Eagles lose their first game of the season on Monday night. What's the feel around the city? I'm sure there's still, you know, fans panicking, but at least around the team, is it, you know, they, hey, it's one bad game will be all right. Or is there some, you know, areas that maybe that were exposed that they didn't think they're a little bit worried about going forward? Um, I would say that they're the appropriate amount of worried. I think whenever you lose, clearly, look, it's it's unfair to say all the wins matter and the loss doesn't matter, right? Like, so you have to look at the result of the game, what they struggled with, where they're at in the season, the standings and all those things. So I think that there's a realization that if they want to finish in that number one seed, you don't really get many slip-ups. You probably need 13 wins, which means they only have two or three more games they can lose to get there if they do want to finish with that one seed. And to lose it to a team like Washington, it's uh, it's disappointing. The run defense was bad. They turned the ball over, something they haven't done in a long time. So I think they're realistic in saying we need to be better against the run. That's why you saw them bring in Indomitian Sue, Linval Joseph. Like They've added defensive tackles. But also they turned the ball over three times, uh, fourth if you include the last play of the game, and that's uncharacteristic. So I think they know that they have things they need to improve on, but are also aware that you know it was a kind of fluky game where they made uncharacteristic mistakes. Yeah, I'd, I'd say very fluky. Uh, also, the, the refs made a couple uncharacteristic mistakes that I'm sure Nick Sirianni is very happy about. Uh, you mentioned yeah. Linval Joseph and, and, and Dominican Sue. Uh, any chance that they play on Sunday? How, how do you think that's going to work? It's a good question. I mean, look, they are short on defensive tackles. Jordan Davis isn't playing. Uh, Marlon Tupelotu is not playing. So they really only have Fletcher Cox, who has a foot injury, Milton Williams, Javon Hargrave. So one of them is going to have to play. They have Marvin Williams on the uh, – yeah, Marvin Wilson, sorry, on the um, 
practice squad. So they have him that he could bring up. But my guess is, you know, maybe you see Linval Joseph play. He's in the building today. Um, I don't think Adamic and Sue is going to be here on uh, on Thursday. So maybe Linval Joseph plays and maybe Sue is active and gets, you know, one or two snaps. They also have some defensive ends that could rotate inside if they needed. But my guess is you're probably going to see the real impact of these two players the following week against the Packers. So especially two coming off that Monday night game, Elliot, where the, the run defense struggled against the commanders over 150 yards allowed. Me and George are talking about this before because the Colts team, right, their offense, when everything is humming going well, they do want to run the ball first, obviously with the, one of the best running backs in the NFL in Jonathan yeah. Taylor. For the Eagles, is it more important for them to stop the Colts' run game, or do you think for them, is it more important to get their own run game kind of going and be able to dominate on their side of the screen? Like, who needs to establish the run more, you yeah. think, in order to win this game? Um, It's a good question. I, I think the Eagles need to stop the run, though. The Eagles have one of the best secondaries in the NFL. They're excellent at forcing turnovers. If they can put a team into a position where it's a known passing down, they're one of the best teams in the league. I think what you saw against Washington and really against Houston the week before on Thursday Night Football is if you run on this Eagles team, like their run defense is not that good. Uh, they, it puts the the Washington ran the ball, I think it was 50-something times, but only averaged three yards. But the problem yeah. was all these third downs were third and shorts, third and two, third and three. And that's one of the toughest downs in football to manage because it's not a clear pass or or run down. So I, I think that um, the Eagles don't need to run the ball to score on offense. I know they're going to be missing Goddard, but they have A.J. Brown. They have Devontae, you know, Zach Paschal, Quez Watkins. They can win throwing the ball. Uh, but I think for the Eagles to win on Sunday, they're going to have to, you know, I don't, they don't have to completely stop it, but they have to at least contain somewhat that Colts running game. I want to talk a little bit about our good friend, Nick Sirianni here. Yeah. Uh, we got him this week, you know, the Indianapolis media, and he was trying to downplay the return to Indianapolis as, as you expect that he would uh, and talk about all the other places he's played and, and how, if he got emotional every time it, it really just kind of burned him out. Uh, but he also made it clear he's very close to Frank Reich. I think everybody knows that he said, you could pretty much guess how he react to that, that uh, firing. Yeah. How's he been with the Philadelphia media? How's has he mentioned anything about this return? Does it feel like a different week in any way? Um, you know, at the, I, I will say he hasn't really said anything, you know, like, oh, I want to go beat the Colts or I want to avenge the firing of Frank, but just knowing Nick, since he started to, co to coach his team, you know, I guess a year and a half ago, he's an emotional guy. He's a very loyal guy. He's someone that really values relationships and to see what happened to Frank there. I'm sure he's feels some extra motivation going into Indianapolis, let alone he would have felt that anyway, going back to, to his former team. So I think Nick, uh, a strength of his is his emotion, but I also think maybe in a game like this, you know, we often talk about it with players going against their former team. How are they going to handle that? Is it going to impact their play? I'll be interested to see how Nick handles it because he is a guy that I think sometimes rides with his emotions for better or worse. And in this spot, we'll, we'll see how he handles it, but I'm sure he very, 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 very much wants to win this game. Does either side have an advantage there? Cause obviously he was here for three years leaves. There's a lot of faces that have changed on the Colts. So it's like, there's not really many people in the Colts set that know him and, and vice versa. He's really know a lot. Would you say there's any clear cut advantage in this matchup of Nick Sirianni returning back? Um, I mean, I feel like Sirianni maybe a little just because he knows the personnel, like, you know, Jonathan Taylor, those receivers. But you're right. I mean, there's a lot of turnover at the Colts, obviously, with Jeff Saturday there and uh, the quarterback and everything. Yeah. So, I mean, they've been through, what, two quarterbacks, three quarterbacks since, since Nick left. So I, I don't think it's a huge, uh, you know, he knows a ton about what's going on there. But because he's familiar with the personnel, and don't forget Jonathan Gannon, and this was, you know, a little bit as well mm. ago too, he coached there. So he's familiar with the strengths and weaknesses of some of those offensive players. 
Yeah, I think there's probably more Colts coaches from Sirianni's time here in Philadelphia right now than there are yeah. still here in Indianapolis. <laughs> uh, but uh, you mentioned the secondary earlier. Uh, obviously, the Colts don't want to throw first. That's that's not their goal. That's, if right. they get in a situation where they have to throw it 30, 35 times, they're probably in trouble. But do you think that the Eagles have to defend them a little bit differently than maybe some teams did early this year in the sense that uh, obviously Matt Ryan and, and Michael Pittman had that early chemistry and he was he was clearly the, the main guy. Teams really tried to take him away. Do you think Paris Campbell's done enough the last month, month and a half to, to become a focal point as well for opposing defenses? So the Eagles, and I, it's an interesting question in terms of how you handle that. What the Eagles have going for them is they kind of have two number one cornerbacks. They have Darius Lee and James Bradbury. So, you know, as good as those receivers are, they're not Justin Jefferson. They're not somebody where I think you're going to bracket coverage towards them. You're not going to shade a a safety over to their side of the field. Like, I think you would trust Bradbury and Slay to cover them one-on-one. The other part of this, too, with Matt Ryan is – the Eagles have a pretty good pass rush. Now it's not, you know, up there with top five in the league, but they've shown now the Colts have a good offensive line, but last year against Matt Ryan in Atlanta, I mean, they tortured him all day and obviously very different team and situation, but Matt is not very mobile. They're not going to have to worry about that. Right. I know he had that 40 yard run actually, but <laughs> outside of that, I don't think they have to worry about it. So I think they'll feel very good. Just putting, you know, they, they like to play their corners off. They like to do some zone. They like to give their corners chances to read the field, try to create turnovers but when it comes down to it, I think they trust them in man against those receivers. I won't be lying, Elif. I wouldn't say I was trying to look for uh, odds for Matt Ryan, more rushing yards than Jalen Hurts this week. <laughs> a nice, little, nice little payday. Nice little if, long, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> if he breaks one there. Um, for the Eagles offensively, no Dallas Goddard. Right? He was just put on IR after his injury on Monday night. A.J. Brown hurt his ankle Monday night and was kind of you know irrelevant after that. So yeah. with the absence of Goddard, who kind of steps up here and who's kind of like the, the go-to guy now that his, he's gone? And also, is A.J. Brown, like, what's his health going to be for this Sunday? Mm-hmm. So he did practice today, which it which excuse me, which is obviously a good sign. He had the ankle injury, one, just one catch for seven yards, wasn't a big part of the game. Um, so it's something to monitor. In terms of Dallas Goddard, they don't really have a great backup tight end. So it's not going to be like, you know, they'll just go to another tight end. It's going to be a committee situation. Jack Stoll, Grant Calcaterra. There's a chance Tyree Jackson, a former basketball player slash quarterback that's extremely tall and athletic. They might act, they might play him. So it'll be a committee thing, but really what they'll do is they'll throw it to AJ Moore. They'll throw it to Devonte Moore, Zach Pascal, a player you guys are familiar with. He's not a tight end, but you know, he can do some of those things, the bubble screens, you know, red zone target. Good so maybe blocker. He, yeah, good blocker. Exactly. So he's, he'll be a little more involved. They just don't have the tight ends to do what Goddard did. Goddard's one of the best tight ends in the league. He can block, he can catch. He's good after the catch. So you're not going to replace him. You just have to find other ways to come up with that, that offense. Yeah. I think Zach Pascal's Nick Sirianni's other son right now. I mean, uh, there's no doubt. Yeah. Uh, may not be a player in the league. He loves more than that guy. Yeah. Uh, last, last one for me. Uh, you, you mentioned kind of the flukish nature of that loss. Uh, not that it would be a wake-up call for the Eagles by any stretch of imagination, because I don't think they needed that. But are they more dangerous this week now because of that loss? I mean, are they less likely now to to have another slip up or you know to 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 let mm-hmm. things kind of slide a little bit than they might have been going into that Washington game? I don't really think so. I think I don't think this team came out flat against Washington. They just made uncharacteristic mistakes. And I think when you look at what they're dealing with injury-wise, the loss of Goddard, the loss of Avante Maddox, their nickel corner, no Jordan Davis, like guys are banged up. I don't think they're susceptible to a loss because I it's a big game for the Eagles now. If they want that one seed, Minnesota has only one loss. The Giants only have two losses. Like they're still very much 
a lot of competition behind them. And I don't think the loss gives them extra motivation. I think they just played poorly against Washington. Um, and look, you look at the line, I think it's six and a half. Like maybe they'll cover, maybe they won't. But I think ultimately this is a team that needs a win and is going to go in and get it. Elliot, the, in the first half, the Eagles are averaging just shy of 21 points per uh, points per half. And the second half, it's just over a touchdown. So they're one of the be- they are the best first half team in the NFL and one of the worst second half teams. Why is that? Like, what, what have you seen that's led to that? Well, so if we would have talked about three weeks ago, that number in the second half would have been only like a field goal. So they've been better in the second half. They had two touchdowns in their first two games after the bye, the Steelers game and the Texans game in the second half. Um, I'd have to look it up, but I think they what they had against Washington, they had a decent second half up until the end when things kind of fell apart. But the main reason why this is it was a problem early on in the year is they were up so much. I mean, up prior to the Washington game, they'd been up, I believe it's 12 plus points in every game they played. They go into half times with big leads. And as a result of that, in the second half, they were milking away the clock essentially. They were letting teams run the ball to kill time when their defense was on the field. On the offensive side of the ball, they were trying to kill time. So you know, up up until this lad this last game, it hadn't been an issue at all. I don't think it's like they're getting out coached. I don't think it's an adjustment thing. I think they've been up really big. They're the best first half, half team in the league, and so those second half numbers are gonna are gonna skew. I mean, you figure to be as good in the first half in the second half as they are in the first half, they'd have to average forty two points. So like something was going to come down. Um, but look, now that the games are closer, they lost one. They were tied against Houston uh, at the half. I think the Colts game could be competitive. They're going to have to prove they can score when they have to. And obviously, to finish up here, Elliot, the Eagles have been one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFL so far this year. So how? what's the path for the Colts on Sunday if they're going to pull off the upset, you think? Well, it's running the ball to start. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, one of the best running backs in the league. And obviously, not just to put up points, but it kills clock and you keep the Eagles offense off the field. So you kind of try to duplicate what Washington did with a way better running back, a way better offensive line. Then the other part of it is, you know, I think you have to force turnovers on the offensive side of the ball. Jalen Hurts is really, really good at taking care of the ball. But you saw last week, they turned it over three times. Three teams that turned over three times this year, I believe are something like four and 36 in games. So you have to force Eagles to create a turnover. You run the ball. Be smart with it. Matt Ryan, I think, is smarter with the ball than than Heineke is. Heineke tried to keep uh, the Eagles in that game last week. If Matt Ryan has no turnovers and they run the ball, then I think they 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 could win the game. But I, I would be surprised. I you know I'm I'm in on Jeff Saturday. I'm in on what the Colts are doing. It's not an anti Colts thing. It's just I think the Eagles really need a win, and I think they'll get it. And the Colts trying to put two games together that are good, Elliot. It's been a, a failing mission all season long, that is for sure. So that's yeah. a good thing for the Eagles. They get the Colts coming off a win, which is a, a rarity as well. So yeah. if you want to get more in-depth on the Eagles, make sure you check out the Go Birds pod. Elliot does a great job there. Elliot, thanks so much for uh, kind of, uh, coming on Behind Enemy Lines. Yep, no problem. I'll talk to you guys soon.